There are many wonderful people adding to the positive outlook of a backcountry and hunting lifestyle. Our goal is to join them in promoting that outlook. Welcome to the Backcountry Dreaming Podcast, where we share stories, tips, and tactics of backcountry pursuits. Come to you this fine, fine evening from the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness in northern Minnesota. And I have a wonderful guest with me tonight. It's just me. Uh, tonight, Joe's not here, but we've got a special guest, a legend of a guest, and that is Jeffrey Snyder. Well, <laughs> well I don't know if I can live up to that introduction, but thank you. You can. You can. Yeah, so Jeff and I have known each other for quite some time. We're going to go into that a little bit later, talking about Contact Outdoors and the vision and some of the ideas behind why we started this deal and how you can get involved, because that's kind of the goal, uh, you as the listeners out there. But what we're going to do first off is we're going to talk a little bit about the experiences we've had over the past couple few days. Um, and we want to start that out. We're in the Boundary Waters actually right now. We're sitting on a rock outcropping off of our campsite overlooking a beautiful lake. Um, what time is it? It's got to be about 10 o'clock. I'm guessing it's somewhere around there. 10 p.m. So the moon's out. Stars are coming out. We've been here in loons. The lake is like glass. Uh, Jeff and I both have many times stated that this is our favorite wilderness area we've ever been to. We're All a little, by far. We're a little partial to it. It's one of my favorite campsites. It's a great protected little cove. This rock outcropping we're on is a nice little peninsula that juts out, kind of helps keep everything serene and quiet, and it's the farthest campsite on this lake. Yeah. So it's, no one really comes over here. Yeah. Makes it real nice. Furthest distance from any of the portages, for the most part, the meaningful ones anyway. Yeah. So I would ask you this, can you, for listeners who don't know or who haven't been here or just really don't know about it, give just a description, an overview description of what the Boundary Waters is? Well, to me, I think it's the, uh, I think it's the ultimate wilderness adventure I think you could get on without really leaving the, the lower 48. There's a lot of great places in this nation, don't get me wrong, but the culmination of being able to portage, hike around, camp, fish, and canoe all in one area, to me, that's what sums it all up. It's just a great place to be able to, you know, really get a great experience and get away from really everything. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of tranquility out here. There's a lot of people that come out just to get away. There's some people like ourselves that come here just for a fishing trip. And depending on what time of year you come, it's really what type of adventure you want to have. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a cool place because the means of travel here are a little bit different and it causes you to be able to get a little more secluded than other places for the most part. When you have to pack, you know, a canoe up with gear and portage so you unpack the canoe you carry the canoe and your gear across a trail that the trail basically connects two lakes 
you get back on that next lake, you pack the canoe back up and you canoe across the lake to the next portage and continue on that way for honestly hundreds of miles in this area. Um, and just pristine lakes, pristine forests. And yeah, it's, uh, it, it causes you to be able to get a little bit more secluded than, uh, than normal. Like tomorrow we have around seven miles before we, we are actually out of the wilderness boundary. Yep. And that, and that seven hours is going to, or that seven miles is going to take us somewhere about in the vicinity of four hours. Yep. To get out. Um, well, and the great thing about this too is there's a lot of good outfitters in the area mm-hmm. and a lot of people that are more than willing to help anyone that desires to come out and experience this place. Yeah, we went through this time. There's a ton of great ones, but this time we went through Tuscarora Lodge. Uh, Andy over at Tuscarora Lodge does a great job. We can kind of do maybe a trip recap because yeah. right now we're kind of fat and happy because we both <laughs> have bellies full of lake trout. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. We had a good... Good dinner tonight. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> Especially for our last night of the trip. You couldn't ask for a better finish to the week. Yeah, yeah. So we, we leave tomorrow, but let's do kind of a, a recap. So we drove from my house in Ham Lake, Minnesota. Well, how, how far back do you want to go? Because I came from West Michigan. You came from West Michigan. The, <laughs> That's right. I came from the lower peninsula of West Michigan, and it took me somewhere around 11 hours to get to your house. I left after work in the evening. Yep. And drove all night. I took a couple-hour nap in the back of my truck in a gas station parking lot, <laughs> which I don't know is entirely legal, but it's either that or push on and hopefully not get in a car accident. So I figured that was a better option. Yeah. So I think I got to your house about 9.30 in the morning. Yep. Laid in bed, waited for you to uh, finish what you were doing for the morning. Yep, a little and, work to finish up. Yeah, and then we got together and kind of started our final pack list yep getting all the gear together getting groceries together we've got two other guys on the trip with us our good friend lucas lucas bulo he's a cool dude and we've known him for some time he likes to get out in the wilderness and then my cousin max corpola uh he's been he's been with us with me uh i think this is our fourth trip together him and i um but yeah, it's it's pretty neat because we actually went down to Midwest Mountaineering. If you haven't been there, it's a really cool store. We went down to Midwest Mountaineering for a actually a Boundary Waters pint night. Yep. We went down there. We always like to go and look at some last pieces of gear we might need. So after we got everything taken care of, Friday morning we packed up the truck. The four of us, we packed up the truck, and we headed north on Highway 35 to Duluth where we always get for the most part unless we go through Ely but this time we're going up off the Gunflint Trail out of Grand Marais we get our permit from the Duluth Pack store yep because we it's another desired destination it is we always like to go there and look at packs and dream about having them yeah we've got <laughs> we've got a short history with Duluth Packs in comparison to their long, long history, history. <laughs> cuz they started what was their official start date? It's right there on my hat. Can you see it? Mm, no, it's 1882. a little dark. Yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty awesome. So they were kind of the, the pioneers into canvas canoe-type packs. So we each have one. Yep. We've got uh, a Duluth a... pack, original number three, and you've got a 
Bushcraft. Bushcraft. Yep. So, Great packs. Yeah. So, um, we always stop there. We love to check that area out and see what they have going on and get our permit. And we watch the, we watch the video. Yep. Any of you guys out there who've been to the Boundary Waters, you know what watching the video means. It's an informational video. It gives you kind of a quiz at the end to get your permit, and which is nice that they lay out certain rules for this wilderness. Um, makes it even that more secluded and, and peaceful. So we left the Duluth Pack Store, and our next stop was Grand Marais. Basically Grand Marais. Yep. We stopped in, grabbed a quick bite to eat at the co-op, Filled up the gas tank and then headed up the short, long journey <laughs> up the Gunflint Trail. Yep. And I say that because you guys know if anybody's gone on any type of adventure trip, that last leg of the trip is seems like the longest leg of the trip. By far. Even though it was only, what is it, 45 minutes to an hour? It's about 45 minutes. To get up to, to, where to we were from Grand to. Marais to our... Tuscarora Lodge. And our entry point. And yep. the entry point. And, uh, yeah, it just seems like it takes days to get up the Gunflint Trail. Yeah, yeah. So this trip specifically, we plan for spring ice out and a lake trout fishing trip. That's specifically what we're after. Yep. So we hit a couple different lake trout lakes that we like. There's tons of them up up on this side of the Boundary Waters. Um, so you really can't go wrong. Again, calling out fitter, ask questions. They'll lead you in the right direction. Give us a shout on email or Instagram or Facebook or whatever, and we'll give you some pointers and, and point you in the right direction if you're looking to plan a trip like this. Yeah, and there's even a uh, website dedicated. Is it just bwca.com? Yep, it's got a lot of information. Yep. And then also Boundary Waters Journal. Oh, yeah. Uh, the quarter, quarterly magazine is a, is a good kind of publication yeah, to help so people out. Plenty of resources, good pieces of information for people that want to educate themselves. Um, but like we found, one of the best ways is to make phone calls. Yep. People up here love to talk about it. That's what outfitters do. You know, they're in it to help people get outfitted. And uh, anyone that is looking for a little more help to push them over the, I guess the, I don't know what you'd call it, the knowledge threshold yeah i mean you'll never learn enough no but if you're feeling like you don't know enough and you just are starting to get into it make some phone calls yep yep so we got into a couple of our desired lake destinations and campsites and on the first lake we did pretty well we yeah, actually I'd did say we better did all right than we did here which typically here is better yeah so we we, <laughs> we kind of target two main lakes um and we don't want to, we don't want to kind of broadcast that to everyone. But if specifically you're looking to seriously plan a trip, um, it's not really, you know, there's not really secrets about it. But you, you, no. you definitely, as a fisherman, any of you guys out there that fish, you know, you kind of like to keep some of your spots a little bit secretive. But yeah. we could help you with some route planning. Let's just say that. Yeah. So our first lake we did pretty well. We caught, all four of us caught lake trout. It was cool. Lucas actually caught his first lake trout he's ever, he's ever landed. Yeah, and he was actually the first one to catch the first fish. A fish, period, yeah. So that was pretty cool. And I think he caught three, all within a pretty short period of time, all lake trout. Yeah. So he awesome. was pretty stoked about that. Yep. So there's a lot 
of information out there on lake trout and 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 fishing tactics we will just throw this out there we are nowhere near experts when it comes to that we're still trying to figure some of this out but some of the tactics we've been using is we've done pretty well in the past and a little and I don't think as much on this trip but we've done well in the past on MEP spinners we've done well on small flashy type spoons we've done well on uh jig heads this is pretty interesting jig heads with with salted minnows that we yep. prepare and vacuum seal beforehand uh, we've done really well on those in the past but this time it was bucktail jigs yep which my grandpa used to call foo-foos and what was really funny is <laughs> 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 it didn't really matter kind of what color no pink we, we red, hit them with white pink and white red green. and white green and yellow and i don't know there's there a couple other colors mm mm-hmm. mhm it was really interesting. They weren't very color specific, which sometimes lake trout can be pretty picky because um, I don't know why. I think they've got pretty good eyesight. But, um, yeah, Brian and I's first trip, they really only hit on the jig head minnow thing. Yeah. But the weather was totally different. Yeah, it was spitting snow and we were catching them then. Yeah. And then Max and I came the following year and there was still a little bit of ice on the lakes and, you know... We've caught a few pretty shallow this trip too, but we're we're fishing generally, honestly, in six to fifteen feet of water. Yep, I would say is the where we catch the majority of them. Is that's what we're looking for? Yeah, they definitely slowed down today. We've had a stretch of very warm, sunny days. Yep, and today was kind of the the end of it. Yeah, we caught a few off offshore. Other than that, we I don't think we anyone else caught any out of a boat. No, we had some. It's Maybe been near 80. Up. It's been near 80 for three days in a row. Yeah. So we don't know, you know, if that has something to do with it, but they definitely have not been as active as they usually are or no. have been in the past. So um, I know there's a couple other guys that have been up this way. I've got a couple buddies that uh, I think one of my buddies will be coming up in the next couple of days. I think a uh, couple guys from Sportsman's for the Boundary Waters. Sportsman for the Boundary Waters, I think they were already up here, might still be up here. Oh. It's the 22nd today of May. So, yeah, they, they've they probably been in. They were in maybe last week, I think. So I'll have to get back and talk to them about how their trip went. But needless to say, on this second lake, things slowed down a bit, but we still caught, got into some. And uh, we've we've eaten fish. Almost every night, we we we've been able to eat them if we want every night. Yeah, we bypassed last night just because. <laughs> yep, just because. So we've been cooking them. We've done basically two preparations. One preparation is tin foil. So you take the fillet, just lay it in kind of a, a capsule of tin foil. We put lemon, butter, a little bit of cavender seasoning in there. And basically steam those dudes, and yep. it's it's pretty good to eat them that way. The other way we do them is we pan fry them in Cajun Shore lunch, and then spritz a little lemon on top of them when they're. Yep, that they're seems done. to be camp favorite for this trip. Yep, I think that's the. I remember you and I first time we went out, we did the aluminum foil. I think strictly. Mm-hmm. We did. That yep. was delicious. Yeah, and Max and I did too. Yeah. Yep. So, if anybody has any other. Uh, 
preparations or recipes or anything, throw them out there. Yeah. Let us know because we'll try them out and we'll report back. So. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think they're good. There's. It's so weird. You hear a lot of people talk about not liking lake trout, but the fish that we're keeping to eat are anywhere between 14 to, I, I would say, what, 14 to 20 We don't inches? try to keep them over 20, I don't think. Not really. Once not, they not get that often. big, they're not quite as tasty. Um, they're super we, tasty when they're 17. That's 16, <laughs> 17 inch. Yeah, that's probably about as good as it gets. Yeah. They're fun to fight when they're over that, when they're when they oh, get yeah. bigger. But and they are fighters. If you haven't caught a lake trout yet, I, I suggest getting up into an area where you can. They kind of fight like a little snake. Yeah, they, they twist, twist and, roll. and turn. Many times you pull them up, and the line is wrapped around their face. Multiple times. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. And they, you see, well, you want to make sure you've got very sharp hooks. Yep, that is one big suggestion right there because they have. Um, really hard jaws. Mm-hmm. So to set the hook, and sometimes they don't take it very hard. So you really got to caution when you hit a fish or when you hit a rock. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and the, the other tactic that can really work is is trolling shorelines. I um I know that works, and I've heard a lot of people do that. We just haven't had as much luck doing that, and maybe we're doing something wrong. That's yeah. completely a possibility. But we've done better almost. Gosh, Anchoring. seems like fishing them almost like we fish walleyes. Yep. Jigging for walleyes, casting and retrieving slowly, jigging as we as yep. we go. and Or on a slight breezy day, we'll just let the wind take just, us. Yep, just drift. Roll back over to a spot, drift it again, and yep. usually we'll be catching fish the whole drift. Yep. So I don't, there's really no rhyme or reason. Those are just the methods that we've been using. Like we said, look it up online, educate yourself. Yep. If you've got any questions you think we could explain a little more, get in touch with us, email, like yep. Brian said, Facebook, Instagram, what what have you. Yep. So let's see. We've got so we put we've we've landed here on this campsite on it's the twenty second. Tomorrow we gotta leave, unfortunately. Unfortunately. So we're gonna pack up Bright and early, we always do. Usually pack up bright and early and try to get onto the portages and make our way out before it gets warm. Uh, so we're not sweating so much on the portages. It's kind of nice to travel when it's cool. So we'll have a light, quick breakfast, and then we're on our way out back to the Gunflint Trail and to our tradition of Sven and Oli's oh, by yeah. lunchtime. Sven and Oli's Pizza. Yeah, in Grand Marais. That's always a good... Nothing better than good hot pizza. Because <laughs> yeah. I remember when we would hike down in uh, Danubun National. Yeah. We'd go to Miguel's. Yep. And that's a pizza shop. Yeah. <laughs> and that place is incredible. If anybody's ever been there, yep. they know because they hand make the dough every morning. Yep. Always yeah. good to have pizza right after a trip like this. <laughs> Feels good. That's what I had right as soon as I got out of Alaska last year. Yeah. Pizza. But, uh, but yeah, so anything else we want to add in about the Boundary Waters? If Again, we've said this before. We've written articles about it, and we've stressed it. But if you haven't been here, you need to get here. If you're advocating for this wilderness with some of the issues surrounding the wilderness itself when it comes to uh, the mining leases, um, and any of you who follow us or Sportsmen for the Boundary Waters or Save the Boundary Waters, uh, the, the campaigns there, you'll know kind of, some of what's going on, um, but 
make yourself aware of those things and then make sure that you get up here and experience it because honestly, personally, I've never taken someone up here for their first time uh, that that thinks that the mining in in the proposed location would be a good idea with the hazards of what's going on concerning that would be would be the right thing. You know, you get up here and you experience it and then you realize that this is a place that needs to be protected and stay the way that it is. And we don't want to put it to risk. Um, no, and I think one thing I even sometimes, I hate to say it, find myself taking public land just for granted. Yeah. It's something that was established a while back in the United States history, but, you know, there are laws protecting things, but there are also new lawmakers that, don't care so much about the old laws. So yeah. there's there's still fights to be had. We just saw thousands of acres of national monuments given away this year, last year. And so things like that, we can't take for granted. We have to stand up for our land. This is our land. It's not their land or his land or whoever's land. Yeah, if you're a citizen of the United States, you own public land and a lot of it. And uh, we're blessed in this country to have millions of acres of public land. And there's a lot of, you know, the sad thing is there's a lot of political aspects to all of this when it comes to federal land and when it comes to public land and when it comes to um, the way that they're handled. But uh, I think the best medicine for, for really getting uh, some some idea of what's going on is to get out into these areas and experience them, and bring people that haven't experienced them uh, with you, because that changes perspectives drastically. So, um, yeah, it, just sitting here right now thinking about it, you know, and and the calmness of this, and the beauty of this, knowing that um, we're pretty far from from any type of, you know, activity going on, and, and things that our distractions, we, our phones are at the truck. We don't have to think about, we can disconnect, you know, and I think that's healthy for us as human beings is being able to disconnect from kind of our everyday lives. And we need places like this. I think that wilderness does something for our souls a little bit more than maybe we realize. I think wilderness and getting away from it all in air quotes helps reset us. It helps us kind of decompress it helps us kind of relax more and if we aren't doing it on a steady basis just even taking a hike through the woods somewhere yeah um most city spaces even still have nature hikes and nature areas and parks and places you can get where you're not really getting away from it but you're at least stepping out the door yeah and getting away from something yeah um even if you can walk under a tree canopied sidewalk, that'll help, I think. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm blessed where I I'm surrounded by state land and nature trails with the Muskegon State Park and you know um Manistee National Forest is basically in my backyard. I mean I I'm surrounded by it. So I try to take advantage of it as much as I can. I've got a new Baby girl, she's almost a year old, so I've already started getting her out. You know, I'm, I subscribe to the idea of take them early, take them often, um, just to get her in contact with the outdoors and to be able to 
understand that, you know, all this stuff we can't take for granted because there are people that would just as soon mine this area or put it to some kind of use instead of leaving it pristine and leaving it um, just the way it was made. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we need both. You know, we do, we do, we need development in areas, but there's also areas that definitely need to be protected and they need to stay that way. And we think the Boundary Waters is definitely one of them. So we want to transition a little bit. We've had an awesome trip. We're excited to, it's kind of bittersweet. We get excited to get back and see our families, but leaving is always a bittersweet deal. So we're going to head out tomorrow, but we wanted to transition a little bit and take kind of the end of maybe last uh seven to eight minutes to talk a little bit about uh jeff and i started contact outdoors um i guess gosh the kind of the initial talkings of it must have been in 2012 or 13 when we started initially talking about kind of some ideas and we're still we're still working the vision of of what we really see going on we're still working that out um and so bear with us and be patient with us as we move forward in, in that. But we want to just talk a little bit about, about the vision and how we want to see people get involved because contact outdoors was never meant to be a platform for us to show people how cool we are because we're really not <laughs> we're that not, cool. Not at all. And there's a lot of people who are, who are doing amazing things in the outdoors that are, um, you know, not the quote unquote celebrity people that you see all the time. And we want to kind of give a, a platform to those people, those kind of people who maybe they've had some great outdoor experiences or, and they love taking people into the outdoors, but they would maybe not set up something like a website and a social media platform to promote themselves. We want to create a platform for those people to be promoted and what they're doing more importantly to be promoted. So Jeff and I, uh, we kind of came together. Our initial contact with the outdoors kind of concerning one another was bow hunting whitetails in Kentucky and turkeys. Yep. <laughs> it was. Um, I remember I grew up, I'm not going to get too long into it, but <clears throat> I deer hunted a couple times growing up. I'm, I'm not from a family of hunters. Um, long about the end of 2009, I think I was, I don't know, mid-20s. I moved down to Kentucky, um, came across Brian and his wife, along with a a number of great people down there. But uh, Brian and I really hit it off. We connected well. I started rifle hunting on a friend's land. And then he said, hey, you ever thought about shooting a bow? I said, not really. I mean, kind of, but no. (laughs) So he got me into shooting a bow, and I fell in love instantly with just shooting one. So um, was your first bow my lights out? Yeah, the bear. Yep, that's yep. that's what that was, it was my first actual bow ever. That's the first bow I harvested an animal with. Yeah, yeah. So that bow had a long history because I harvested, I believe, my first deer with that, and I think I got, well, I think I only got one with that one. Yeah, and then I kind of outgrew that bow. I I stepped it up into your next bow, which was the quest. <laughs> yep, that's right. So at any rate, um. I started basically going out into the woods with him to help film because he and another buddy down in Kentucky were filming. Uh, I've got somewhat of a history of helping with cinematography and things like that. So we'd buddy stand up in the tree and uh, watched him take a few animals from the tree and 
you know, I said, wow, this bow hunting thing, I, I think I like it a lot. So I started getting into it my own. Um, haven't been as serious as I would like to be. Um, I actually, down the road, got into waterfall a lot heavier than anything else. Yeah, that kind of became your go-to. <laughs> yeah, but I'll never yeah. forget the day that you and I really started talking about contact outdoors, and it didn't even have, really have a name. But we made a little blind in the mix of a couple trees, and we ground hunted. Yeah. And that was in a cold, snow. wintry, <laughs> snowy day yeah. in Kentucky. Yep. And it was this one area we tried, what, four or five different stand setups for me to try to bow, bow kill my first deer. Yeah. And we finally got to a point where we're like, well, they're spying on us here and there. Let's just try a ground blind. So we set up a bunch of branches and... It was a cold, snowy day, and I don't think anything came of that one either. But no, we ended up getting it to work out. Yeah, yeah, but that's kind of where I remember it. Yep, started. we first started talking about it, and what we talked about initially was we we did want a platform to share our stories, but more importantly, a platform for um for the kind of creation of a community. Yep, of people who believe in conservation, who believe in ethics, who believe in doing things the right way. And we're not here to say that we do everything the right way or have figured things out completely. There's tons of other people who do a great job and probably can point you more specifically and more professionally in the right direction. But um, I think we all share the, the at, at our core the heart of just a love for wilderness and the outdoors and hunting and fishing and hiking and yeah. Whatever it is, mountain biking, whatever whatever you love, duck hunting. Yeah, and, and we, that's kind of how we came up with the name Contact Outdoors. Yeah, we came up with it because Jeff and I kind of talked about, you know, for me, many of you have already heard, my initial contact with the outdoors was through my grandfather. And had it not been for him, who knows, um, maybe I would have encountered it later in life, but my earliest memories are catching panfish from the dock uh, on the house that we lived, that I grew up in on the lake, and my grandfather teaching me that, and uh, and that kind of set the tone, yeah. honestly, for me. Uh, and now I've, every chance I can, it's about getting out and experiencing the outdoors, and I know kind of the same thing for you. Yeah, my my initial contact was my mother. She also brought me out fishing, but uh, I grew up on... 80 acres of pretty much 90% of it being hardwood. And uh, she would take me out in the back 40 and go camping. We'd set up a tent. We'd be out there for the weekend, a couple days, you know, one night or so. Just in the backyard, have a bonfire and and just have a big time. And, you know, I'll never forget the first time I ever set a tent up was with my brother. And this was just like right outside the back door. And I'll never forget the sound of this owl just scared the daylights out of me. And I don't remember how old I was, but I had to have been under 10. I know that for sure. Maybe more like five or six, but uh, just scared to death. And I ran in the house. I think I made it a whole 10 minutes in the tent. Yep. (laughs) Yep. But I'll never forget that. But it's been, yeah, a long history of uh, my mom's been... Edging me to get outside, you know, go play outside, things like that. Yep. But uh, I think I really hit my stride when I moved down to Kentucky and just kind of came across Brian, and that's what got me into deer hunting. And then we 
we come up to another buddy who got us kind of set on the track of waterfowl, and that's what Jeremy Pence, mm-hmm. you know, he helped us get down in the sloughs, down in duck Kentucky. hunting, yep. <laughs> and uh, I instantly fell in love, which where we were at in Kentucky was a horrendous place to try to duck hunt, but shortly after that, I moved to Minnesota, and that's kind of what got me on the track of really getting, but I'm getting kind of off track now so (laughs) (laughs) i apologize well you can get back on but uh yeah so the short look at this what are we looking at you see the beaver coming across in front of us oh yeah see him yep just the slight wake yeah there he goes waiting for him to tail slap yeah we've had it we've had a beaver passing back and forth in front of our campsite working so i heard him over there yeah so yeah. Anyway, so well, anyhow, so <laughs> I just wanted to tell my short side of a very long story. Yeah. Um, because that's kind of what contact outdoors, the essence of it is, is your story. It's who got you into contact, who kind of inspired you and or what, what did yeah. and what time of life. Cause everybody kind of has a different point where they can pinpoint Mm-hmm. Mine was a very young age. Yours was a very young age. But some people don't hit it until they're in the middle, you know, mid thirties or mm-hmm. later in life. You know, it's it's everybody's kind of got a place. Yeah. Well, even like bow hunting for me, you know, I'd already been in the outdoors and hunted and things. But bow hunting came to me in my early twenties through two guys, uh, Steve Meadows and Juan Fernandez, two guys down in Kentucky who were like, "Man, you live here now. You gotta gotta get a bow." Yeah. And I mainly did it to extend my season. Yeah. Instead of a couple weeks in November, now I had from usually the middle of September to the beginning of January, you yeah, know, down Kentucky there. has a very long season. So, and, and that's completely changed my life because that that's my by far my main focus now, just like yours is waterfowl. So, with 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 us saying, you know, this and and kind of tonight being able to wrap it up a bit, we got to get some good sleep and get out of here in the morning. But we just wanted to kind of lay that out and, and, and also throw out the opportunity. Uh, we really, really want to hear feedback from you guys. If you have a story or if you have some ideas or you have some comments or things to say, we want to hear about them. And actually, you know, we've got social media platforms set up, contact outdoors on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, you can reach us through email, but also on our website, We've got an area called the story, uh, and that's specifically for listeners and and people who want to share a piece of their story with kind of the collective community that we're trying to create. And so if you have something, don't be bashful. Email us. Get a hold of us. Let us know. Uh, It doesn't have to be necessarily hunting-related or wilderness-related. It can be just anything outdoor related. We want to share some of that stuff. Um, we're going to yeah. share our specific stories and in, in very particular kind of ways. Um, most of it through hunting and fishing. Um, but if you've got, uh, things to go along with your story, photos, photos videos, yeah. yep. anything like that, you know, don't be afraid to send those to, yep. um, and just, yeah, let us know maybe some specifics about the photos, but also kind of the Long and short of it, tell us how you got into it, who inspired you, what inspired you. Yep. Um, you know, I, obviously, I don't think we can put 
everyone's up. Right. But we'll have to be selective, but nevertheless, shoot them to us because that's what that page on our website is specifically designed for. Um, we also have a blog page that some of our team guys that are going to be sharing certain aspects and perspectives, whether it's me or Jeff or Joe or Chase or Kyle or Cody. Yeah, a few people. Yeah, whoever you might you know, hear from there. We've thrown up a couple. I've done one on the Boundary Waters, and Kyle did one this spring for turkey season. Um, be on the lookout for some of that stuff as well, and then we'll have also some uh, new video content coming out uh, here in the next year or so, and so be looking out for some of that stuff. But more importantly, we really want to give you guys a platform to to share your story. Um, and the other part of it is give us some feedback on the podcast. This is episode four now. Know that we've got some some faithful listeners, and it's really cool. We definitely, again, we don't claim to be professionals in any of these areas, but uh, if we could say something that might help somebody out, that's really the goal. Yep. So leave us a review. Give us a, a rating. If um, you've got some gear questions, yep. technique questions, like we said, we're not experts, but... Or suggestions for us. Or, yeah, suggestions <laughs> for us. Because Brian and I love to research. That's one thing that we both very much have in common. A lot of the gear we come across, it's funny. We will uh, be researching for a month, say, and then all of a sudden we'll get in contact with each other about this piece of gear. And it's happened more than three or four times. We've found the same exact piece of whatever. And then we are excited and tell each other. And we're like, well, hold on a second. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, it's the same one I was looking <laughs> at. that sounds like the same thing. Yeah. And we follow uh, a lot of other people who we get some of these tips from too. So a lot, not not always are they original ideas. Some of no. them are from people we lo- like to follow and... But yeah, shoot us. We we want some. We want it to be kind of a two way street communication from both ends. So um, we're excited to hear your stories. We're gonna probably cut things off here. We're looking at about thirty seven, thirty eight minutes. We've been going. Yep. So um, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, thanks again, guys. Good night from the Boundary Waters. Original music for this podcast was created by Nakota Rankin. This podcast is edited, mixed, and mastered by Nakota Rankin.